Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. God is good. And all the time, amen. Hallelujah. What's this? I wasn't expecting y'all. Didn't y'all move today? Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> oh, you can get in the place. All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We want to welcome Everyone that is here tonight, you by watching by means of the live stream, as we come together uh, to worship the Lord here in this midweek service and uh, study His Word, um, amen, together, praise the Lord. 
Um, we're going to go to God in prayer right now. And uh, there are um, there's some needs and people we need to to pray about. Um, somebody's contacted me. I guess I will start first with mine and get, if anybody else has any more. But uh, I got a um, text message from Sister uh, Kathy Mabry, and uh, she has had it rough the last few days and um, um, dealing with some uh, some issues and sick and. Uh, so that uh, she's not going to be able to be here tonight, but she would be watching um, by means of a live stream. So, sis, we are praying for you, amen, and asking God to touch you and clear this issue up that you are dealing with right now. Also, um, continue to remember Sister Mary McNeese uh, in your prayers. It was good to have her uh, Sunday, but I noticed they had to, uh, she had to leave a little bit before service was over. She's um, having a rough time uh, as well. So remember her. Continue to remember Brother um, Paul and Sister Edna in prayer. That God will um, be with them. And uh, <laughs> I was in contact um, uh, night before last uh, with... Um, uh, a lady that I worked with um, uh, for a few years there uh, before I retired uh, in Metro, and um, she is requesting prayer for her um, her son. He's 35 years old, and he's got uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, and he's in denial um, about it, and he has really been taking a turn for the worst. She told me she she wasn't trying not have faith, but she wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make it through the rest of the year. Uh, that is progressing so fast. He's got a six-year-old son, uh, and but the worst part about it is um, uh, he he claims to be atheist, uh, not believe in anything, uh, and um, she uh, she told me she. Of course, she'd like to see him healed, but the main thing, if he does leave, that he's, you know, right with God, and uh, that is so important. Um, I don't want to see nobody lost, you know, and there's no reason for anybody to be lost. Um, if we would just, um, you know, Jesus did the hard part, but uh, remember, uh, remember that prayer request, if you would, and keep it on your heart each and every day. Uh, that God will move because, um, you know, it's not looking good if God does not move. But we want to see uh, his hard heart broken to where he'll come to the knowledge of the Lord. And um, so Brother Kyle and Sister Margie knows who I'm talking about. And Sister Margie told me about this situation a good while ago. And um, I have been praying, but continue to pray for that. Uh, uh, anybody else got a special prayer request tonight? Praise the Lord. Yes. All right. All right. Let's remember that. All right. God knows. He knows what we need before we even ask. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? 
remember uh, the uh, youth camp the, uh, that's coming up this weekend and also the conference uh, in Hot Springs. Uh, will, uh, young people will be traveling uh, from various states going to Hot Springs uh, Saturday uh, to get there and pray for a safe trip uh, on the road as they travel. Um, we will be um, leaving after the worship service on Sunday. Uh, we'll be pushing it to uh, get down there by 7 o'clock. Um, but um, we'll be going. And uh, and while I'm thinking about it, there will not be a midweek service next week. Um, uh, because of that, we're uh, headed back um, uh, this way, and there won't be a midweek service next week. But remember, the conference, this is going to be the 90th year. Uh, so um, uh, I'm expecting God to do some great things. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm believing God to do some great things. Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody else? Uh, unspoken request by an uplift hand. God knows our hearts. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pray for our teaching lesson tonight. Also, we're going to ask the blessing of the offering. If anybody has an offering tonight, you can bring it um, um, while we uh, do this. Father God, we come to you right now in your blessed, holy, mighty name. Thanking you, God, because of the privilege we have to pray. The Word of God says that we can boldly approach your throne of grace to obtain mercy to find help in the time of need. So we're glad that we can approach you, God. It's a privilege to be able to do this, God. You heard the prayer request. You've seen the hands that was raised. And now we present every one of them unto you, God. You're a healing God. You're a delivering God. Nothing impossible with you, God. Help each and every need right now, Lord, especially though this one request for this young man that's lost, the Lord, and very ill. Help him, God, to come to you before it's too late, Lord. Bless the offering that received, bless the gift and the giver, mighty God. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. The church say, amen. God bless you. Greet one another. Amen. Tonight in Jesus.
I am working on a um, a new series that, um, that we're going to be presenting, uh, bringing before you, but. Since we're not having service tomorrow night, uh, what tomorrow night? I would, not, would never do unless we're having revival. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe we need to do that sometime. Just start one and not get a bit. We've got enough speakers around here. We'll use different ones every night. Yeah, rotate. Yeah, um, we've done that in the past. It's been a long time ago, but sounds good, don't it? Now, since we won't be in service next week, I really didn't want to start something and then not be able to follow through because it um, uh, sometimes for people forget what we talked about. And uh, um, so I was in, in prayer, and the Lord placed something in my spirit yeah, that's what I want to talk about tonight. I, uh, it seemed I could feel the Spirit of God just direct me that uh, there are certain things, and we don't probably don't think about it uh, like we should, but there are certain things that uh, that break the heart of God, and. I don't know how you feel about it, but God's been so good to me. Uh, I hate it if I think about it, I've done something or said something or didn't do something. Maybe I should have done that caused grief to the to the Holy Spirit and break break His heart. <laughs> and one of those things that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that grieves the heart of God and breaks his heart more is that his people don't talk to him like they should. I'm talking about prayer. That's how you talk to him. Uh, it it uh, it grieves him. It's it's kind of like a um, it's kind of like a parent that raises a child, and when that child grows up and goes off on their own, that parent don't never hear from that child very much. Uh, they don't realize um, you have to you have to to be a parent uh, to understand what I'm talking about. I remember 
<coughs> one time uh, we was visiting uh, my dad's mom's house, and um, I don't know who it, which one it was, but um, our our children were the stair steps, and uh, they were all um, pretty small, and one of them was still just kind of crawling around, and um, I was sitting there uh, talking to my dad, and whoever it was, like I said, I don't remember which one was it, he kept, oh, your mama pointed at you, I don't, your mama, <laughs> you got put on the bus again, boy, <laughs> but anyway, crawling all over my feet, stepping on my feet. And my daddy looked at me and just as serious as he, could, as he could be. He said, when they're little, they step on your feet, but when they get older, they step on your heart. Um, and think about that in the way of our Heavenly Father. Uh, and um, it really breaks his heart when we don't take the time like we should to give him a call. Amen. Give him a call. And uh, my thing in doing this lesson tonight is I hope those that are here and those of you who's watching online, I hope I can distill a greater appreciation in your spirit over prayer. I fully believe that God wants to use more people in his kingdom with the various gifts and uh, everything else. God never intended the pastor to do it all. That was not in his program. Amen. But if, if, if the body does not spend time in prayer, then you cannot get connected well enough to the Holy Spirit to where if we're in the service and God wants something done or something said to where God can connect with you and use you. Amen. Uh, so I've told, titled this lesson The Fundamentals of Prayer. And there's no way that I can cover everything in the time limit. Uh, but I just wanted to get started on this. Because really, prayer is one of them things that we uh, uh, we should talk less about and do more of. Amen. But uh, the fundamentals of prayer and uh, our scripture text is for, I've chosen is First Timothy chapter two and verse eight. First uh, Timothy chapter two and verse eight, just a short scripture. And uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, I'll will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting now we will talk some about that but he said I will that therefore that men pray everywhere prayer is just not for the church house but I have a strong suspicion that a lot of Christians, the only time they pray is at the church. Or, uh, uh, or sometimes if maybe they'll say, they'll say grace, they call it, when they go to eat at home. 
God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food, amen. Uh, but you would never, they would never consider if, if they're out eating at a, at a public restaurant to pray. But uh, it don't make no difference where I, I'm at. I'm going to give God thanks. I have, I have this belief, and me and, me and uh, Sister Darlene has lived by this all these years. Uh, I personally... Now, I'm not preaching this to be a, uh, a steadfast truth, a doctrinal truth, but I personally feel that if a person sits down to a meal, no matter where they're at, and they pray and ask God's blessing over it and thank Him for it, I don't think there's much danger of them getting uh, food poisoned. That's one thing I remember as a child growing up. My daddy always, everything, before he ate, he said, God, you sanctify this. Sanctify this food I'm fixing to eat. Amen. And uh, I, believe if you, I believe if you remember God, he'll remember you. Amen. Hallelujah. But I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Okay, let's get into uh, the introduction of it. Prayer is the most intimate form of communication between God and his creation because it is the heart of man communicating with the heart of God. Get a hold of that. You've got the privilege to go one-on-one with the creator of this whole universe. That's awesome. I mean, you got... Listen... When you talk to him, it's not like some some of you wives talking to your husband. You say, are you listening to me? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I've been accused of ha- having selective hearing at times. <laughs> I, I see you, brother. <laughs> Amen. God is all ears, and uh, he wants us to talk to him. And we've got the privilege of being one-on-one with the one who said, when there was nothing but darkness, let there be light. And it happened. Why wouldn't you want to talk to somebody like that? Lord of mercy, hallelujah. Prayer is a key ingredient to living a godly life. Amen. You can hang it up trying to live a godly life if you don't pray. If you don't have a prayer life, living a godly life ain't, is, is not going to be a part of your life. Jesus himself left us an example while on earth, prayed often, usually beginning his day in prayer before even the sun came up. Have you noticed that? Followed his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He would get up a lot of times, a good day, good, good time before the sun come up. And I, I understand that back when I, uh, uh, I had to get up and leave the house while it was still dark, that quietness of that early morning with the, everything so still and quiet, man, that was such a good time to pray and, uh, and do your devotions and everything. Well, Jesus did that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, for the, y'all watching at home, says this, 
who in the days of his flesh, now this is talking about Christ, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. So in the days of his flesh, he prayed. And that's an example for us. And let me bring something out right here. Part of this verse is reference to his prayer in the, um, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know what he prayed then. His flesh didn't want to die. He, uh, uh, as a man, he was everything a man is. Amen. And he did not want to die, especially the death of crucifixion because that was one of the most horrible ways to die imaginable. So he was praying for God to let God the Father to let that cup pass from him. And it said that he, he cried, he prayed unto him who was able to save him from death and was heard. And somebody asked a question one time, well, how in the world was he heard <coughs> because he he went to the cross. How, how does it mean it said that he was heard? It, this right here gives you another point to realize how Jesus agonized in that garden. I fully believe, I fully believe that Jesus' agony was so fierce and intense that he prayed as great as sweat with as great drops of blood and I studied some on that, that small, tiny capillaries right under the skin begin to burst and begin to mix with his sweat as it ran down him. He would have died physically right there if God the Father hadn't intervened. I, I really feel like that's what that's talking about because he was in so agony. He was heard in that... Um, um, while on earth he prayed often, usually beginning his day, and that um, he prayed on him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared, Hebrews 5 and 7. <laughs> and then Mark chapter 1, verse 35, gives another example. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And over and over again, you can find these places where Jesus, he was regular in prayer. He did it for his benefit, but he also did it for our benefit. Leave us an example that we need to pray. I heard a little, all I know what it is, Darlene has got a little cup sits up on the windowsill over the kitchen sink and uh, there is a saying on that little cup and it says a day hemmed in prayer rarely comes unraveled that's really good start your day off in prayer make God the first one you talk to the last one you talk to at night first one you talk to in the morning we are called to pray without ceasing, but we are also called to pray in every place. He said, 
I would that men pray everywhere. No matter where we are, what situation we are in, who we are with, or what time it is, the Lord desires that we are in an attitude of prayer. And folks, this world's so wicked now, it pays to you being that. I was thinking uh, this uh, afternoon when we left our house going down to pick up Kessie and Chris, we had to go down uh, uh, Thomasville Road. And if you watch the news lately, if you watch the news lately, Thomasville Road, there's been a lot of road rages on that, and they're looking for a white pickup truck. And just the other day, that white pickup truck passed a woman going down Thomasville Road. That's right there where we live in Cheatham County. She had a little dog with her beside between her and the door, and they shot a marble out of a paint gun. It went through the door and hit that poor little dog in the head and killed him instantly. And uh, there's been two other reported instances of, of things happening with a white pickup truck there on that road. So, folks, you know, uh, I'm going to keep an attitude of prayer no matter where I'm at. You don't never know what's going to happen and what uh, crazy uh, demon-possessed person that you're going to come in contact with that you need to have the Spirit of God operating in your life. Hallelujah. Uh, Paul exhorts us not to be in the state of anger. Notice he said lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. What in the world is he talking about? Paul exhorts us not to be in a state of anger or argument when we pray. Certainly our pleadings and petitions, prayers and thankful praise should not be from a heart that is harboring resentment and unforgiveness, anger or bitterness because that would make our prayers unfruitful and hindered. There are some things we can do that will hinder your prayers. Do you know the Bible lets us know that if a husband and wife are having problems and they're not in harmony, the Apostle Paul said in another place, your prayers are going to be hindered. you got to get... Um, I, um, I was in a process of doing some counseling with... With, with a, um, a man one time, it had been years ago, was having problems with his wife, and um, he, uh, he was always pushing spirituality and, you know, walking with God and, and, and things like that. And uh, as I was talking to him, the Holy Ghost began to use me um, and, uh, and began to reveal some things to me. And I just stopped where I was at, and I just looked at him just eyeball to eyeball. And I, t cause I, I seen God showed me the problem was not his wife. The problem was him. And I looked at him, and I says, you will never be right with God until you get right with your wife. And, boy, you know, I mean, his face just got pale, ghostly, white, and everything, because... I, I hit a nerve there, and of course it wasn't me. I didn't know anything going on, but it was the Spirit of God that uh, speaking. So when we pray, we got we we uh, we got we can't harbor anything. We can't uh, be holding on to something, some kind of unforgiveness or whatever with anybody. 
or our prayers will not be fruitful. Before I go further in the lesson, I want to give you some, well, you're not going to be able to read uh, everything about that, but I wanted to share with you uh, a well-known preacher of the 19th century. His name is E.M. Bounds, uh, and this man's work is known from people in just about any Christian denomination. I've heard Pentecostals quote from him. I've heard Baptists, Methodists, just about them all. Edward McHenry Bounds, formerly known as E.M. Bounds, was an American author, attorney, and member of the Methodist Episcopal Church clergy. He is known for writing 11 books, nine of which focused on the subject of prayer. Amen. Now, and even though he was, he, he was born uh, before the Civil War, and he died around 1913 uh, when he died, his, his words that he spoke, man, are so relevant uh, to our, this man knew how to pray. And he was used by God. And somebody say, really? A Methodist is used by God? You might be surprised that the modern Pentecostal church got, his, got its roots in the Methodist church. That's where it started. Amen. But anyway, uh, he, he wrote nine books just on prayer. Here's some things that he said. Listen, listen to this. He said, what the church needs today, now remember, the time frame that he lived in. He died by 1913, and he was, he, he was born before the Civil War. Uh, I think 1835 or 45, something somewhere like that. This, this is one thing he, say, he, he said and he wrote. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better or better machinery, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men of mighty prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. How many of our churches today are seeking to find the next best method to reach people? Hallelujah. I saw something, I read something online one time that was really good, amen. Instead of churches, we need to stop trying to do things we think that will attract people and start doing things that attract the Holy Ghost. If we do things that attract the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is here, the people are going to show up, amen. Glory. He said, the Holy Ghost does not flow through methods but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. One guy told me one night, he, I went somewhere to a meeting, there was a revival going on, and this guy was, was a preaching, and evidently he didn't do much praying that day because he just wasn't clicking at all. And I mean, he wasn't getting a hold of the Lord, and I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I wasn't, I'm not saying anything about him personally or his, uh, his call of God or whatever. He was just—he—he he wasn't clicking that night. He wasn't doing, and—and uh, and he knew that. And when he came up to me at the church, and he—he he knew I was there. First thing he wanted to do was try to start making excuses why while it didn't happen. He said, 
the devil got in that microphone system and just killed my anointing. Your anointing never was very powerful if a microphone turns it on and off. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Amen. So he don't move through machinery but on men. He does not anoint plans but men, men of prayer. Hallelujah. And then one final it goes on with that. The church is looking for better methods. I just got through saying. He said, God is looking for better men and women. Amen. This was a mighty, I would have loved to have been able to be in one of his meetings back then. Amen. And uh, his words, even though back then written in the 19th century, are so relevant to us today. Amen. We could learn so much. But his inbounds and you, if you ever get an opportunity go you can uh, get some of his books on uh, Christian book distributors and or, or different things you can still get some of his books and uh, especially some of his stuff on prayer uh, okay now I want to get to talking about a demonstration of prayer Matthew 6 9 through 13 and Luke 11, 1 through 4. Uh, I'm going to read them both and we're going to talk about it. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And then that prayer is recorded again in Luke. It's not recorded in Mark or John. We read the 11th chapter. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, there again Jesus uh, spent time in prayer. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. So we find now in, in Luke's account of it why uh, that Jesus said this. Because one of the disciples come to him and said, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us, this, uh, give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I've used both of these in the, in the King James Version. Uh, the, uh, the Luke. Uh, Luke's version does not add the last line that says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It does not add that like it is in Matthew. Now, what we know as the Lord's Prayer is in actuality a model prayer or demonstration of prayer provided by Jesus for how to pray. He did not say, Repeat after me. It's kind of like, Matthew 28 and 19, uh, you know, 
uh, he, he didn't say repeat these words when you baptize somebody. Uh, and neither here. And But this is commonly known by everybody, and we call it the Lord's Prayer. I mean, and I do. But it's really a model of prayer or demonstration of prayer of how to pray. In it, we recognize who God is, ask for his will for the earth, ask for his provision in our lives, seek forgiveness, seek protection, and seek continued obedience. We praise God for who he is, submit to him, and make requests based on our knowledge of him. So on the back now, we're going to break this down. Five different points. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is he saying uh, when, when we pray? You know, when we do take the time to pray, Brother Douglas, we want our prayers to be effective. And this pattern is what Jesus taught his 12 disciples. If you've got a need in your life, don't never get on your knees and just start begging God, Lord, I need this, I need that, and I need the other thing. You need to take some time. Amen. Uh, I'm trying to remember something that happened with Ronnie when he was little. And I, I can't quite get it all focused, but he, he come to me and did something or said something that, that uh, uh, given what, and what he did or what he said, he was showing some respect and some honor or whatever and just out of the wild blue yonder. And it touched me so much. Uh, now, Kessie never did do nothing like that. But Ronnie did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it touched me so much, I reached in my pocket and I pulled out some money and gave it to him. Took it in there if he took off, but it didn't take him long to learn. He tried it again for the second time. Thought, See if I'm going to go again. He didn't get money the second time. He was trying to pull one over on me then. But <laughs> that's, that's how it is with, with God. When, don't just automatically start going telling him what you need show some love show some appreciation take some time our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name Jesus begins to extend Lord prayer by acknowledging to whom he is praying God is our father meaning that he cares for us God resides in heaven implying that he is above us and uh, Psalms 97 and 9 uh, makes that saying. You can look it up later. We holler his name, meaning we declare that it is holy. This opening line then recognizes that God is both our Father and our King. He loves us and he is far greater than we are. Amen. So, start off. I mean, uh, your prayer by, by, by showing respect and reverence and recognizing God for who he is. Second point, your kingdom come 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After acknowledging the character of God, we pray for his purpose because God cares for us and is greater than we. We submit our will to his. That's what we're doing when we say, your will be done here on earth. Let it be the same way here as it is in heaven. You are honoring his will and you you automatically, before you even ask anything, you, you're letting God know, I'm concerned about your will. Because there are going to be times, there have been times in my past, and there's going to be times in my future, that I thought there's some things that I wanted that I thought would be good for me, but God knew it wouldn't. And because of that, it wasn't his will. Amen. And I didn't get it. Yes. Yes, yes, that's good. Yeah, yeah. If we ask anything according to His will, that right, right, His will. Yes, that's good. I'm glad you brought that out, sis. That's great. That I can't remember the scripture that's in, but that, that's. Um, but uh, anyway, see what we want. I want God's purpose in my life. Amen. I got some ideas about that's what I want to do or whatever, but God directs. The steps of a righteous man are what? <laughs> Glory to God. Uh, we trust that his way is better, and we pray his will be accomplished on earth. And I heard one preacher teaching one time that I thought was good too. We were created by the dust of the earth so we could say, Lord, your will be done in earth. I'm earth. Amen. That's, that's another good way of looking at it. All right, the third one. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also for, uh, have forgiven our debtors. Those, uh, some, uh, some passages say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us or trespasses or trespasses. They all talk about the same thing. We not only desire God's will on a grand scale, but also on the smaller scale of our lives. We look to him for our daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. We, we trust God. I still like that old gospel song, One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Amen. And that's about all we can do nowadays. Amen. One day at a time. Hallelujah. So, but when we talk about needs, it's not just money. Matter of fact, money is not the greatest need you have. Amen. But let's talk about spiritual here. Spiritual needs, practical, rational, emotional, and physical. Amen. Always spiritual comes first. The Apostle John, when writing uh, one of his books, he said, above all, I would that you prosper. This is, this is part of my daily confession right here. Above all, he said, I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the most important part, the spiritual aspect. Praise the Lord. Amen. Number four, 
And lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now this final request demonstrates a heart that is eager to please God. Amen. I want to please the Lord. You see, I realize that uh, my works and my deeds is not what's going to get me saved. Amen. That's not what's going to get me uh, in the streets of glory. But because of what he has bestowed upon me, because of what he has, I want, I have a desire, I want to live as best as I can pleasing to him. I don't want to follow my flesh. I don't want to follow my car carnality. I want to follow his. A spirit. Amen. So what you're doing when you say don't lead us into temptation, it shows that you've got a heart eager to please him. Not, not because you're dependent upon your goodness or your good works to save you, but you just want to please your heavenly father. God will not lead us. We know God won't lead us in temptation, James 1 and 13. You know, back when we went through the book of James, um, God does not, you know, tempt us, you know. He is not the author of evil. This prayer is an agreement with God that we do not want to sin against him. We pray to be aware of the evil that tempts us and to readily see the escape he has provided. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, With the temptation, God has made a way of escape. It's already there. All you got to do is look for it. Amen. It's already there. Some say that that word temptation in 1 Corinthians, in that verse may also refer to trials, which it, which it does. In this sense, we are asking God to keep us from harm. Let your protection be there. And then ending out the prayer according to the way that Matthew recorded it. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We can conclude our prayers with a reminder of God's sovereign control. That's what you're saying, for thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, thine is the glory. You recognize that he, his sovereignty, that he is in sovereign control of it all, his great power, and that life is for his glory. Amen. So you can take this prayer that Jesus gave to his uh, apostles and you can uh, use it to, to form ever how you are led by the Lord and what's put into your heart to pray. But uh, this is just kind of an example for us to be able to make our prayers more fruitful uh, and um, um, we can get much out of it. Now, I want to finish this up and I'm pushing my time here. I want to talk about the posture of prayer and the prevailing of prayer. Traditionally, there are four postures for praying. Standing, sitting, kneeling, 
prostrating. That means just laying flat of your face on the floor before God. And, um, you know, there are times I've done that. Amen. The posture is up to the individually, vigil, and physical ability. Some people can't get on their knees. Amen. Some people cannot get up and down on their knees. So don't think that God's going to accept you or reject you just simply by what posture you use in prayer. What's most important is the motive and, and in our prayers and not being pharisaical. Hmm. Not being pharisaical. Matthew 6 and 5, look what Jesus said. And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So your motive for praying is more important than whether or not you pray standing up, kneeling, Yes, brother. That's good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's good. That is really good. Let me quickly interject something here, a true story. Uh, uh, Bishop Carl Angle, uh, uh, definitely a man that was um, had the apostolic call. He was a, he was an apostle. He did not put the title on his on himself, but uh, he was definitely he had the call in the fivefold ministers apostle. And he went uh, somewhere to um, uh, preach a revival. And while in that, and I don't remember how many nights it was three, four, five. Back then, in those days, most everybody had at least five nights. And uh, the pastor took up an offering every night in the revival. And when it was over with, he did not offer him a dime out of that offering. The pastor kept it all. The pastor kept it all. And here's a man who had a family and was a full-time on the road conducting revivals and, and starting churches. Uh, and, and doing everything. And he, they were driving down the road, and his wife kept said, what are, you gonna, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, Carl? What are we going to do? He said, I don't know. And he kept on driving until his daughter at that time was a little girl. She began to say, Daddy, I'm hungry. And he didn't have no money. He, and uh, she made that statement uh, a couple times. They came up on a restaurant somewhere. It was in the middle of West Virginia somewhere. And he pulled in. Uh, 
his wife said, Carl, what are you doing? He says, he said, we're going to eat. He says, you ain't got no money. He said, look. He said, we're on the road carrying the gospel. He said, I'm God's servant. He said, I'm going to trust God to take care of the situation for me and my need right now. They go in and sit down in that restaurant. You ask them what they wanted. He ordered them a steak. They ate and, uh, uh, and even got some dessert. Now, I, I will tell you, uh, you can either call it faith or having the brass, but I, I wouldn't have neither one to do that, I'm going to tell you. But, I, you know, I didn't have, I, I'm not walking in the north, that man walked in me on this. But, uh, but before, before they ate, they, they prayed. And uh, after they got through, he told, uh, he told his wife that y'all sat here. He walks up, go, go on the counter, and this was on his mind. He was going to tell the person he would either do any kind of work that needed to be done to pay for the meal, or uh, he would send uh, whatever it cost back to him when he got the money that he was a minister of the gospel. But so help me, Lord. And if you knew this man, you wouldn't doubt it. Before he could get a word out, the, the man behind that cash register said, asked him, said, are you a preacher? He said, yes, sir, I am, uh, a traveling evangelist. He said, I thought so. He said, uh, since I've owned this restaurant, you're the first one, you and your family, that's taken the time to pray over that meal. And he had the ticket in his hand. He tore it up. He says, I'm taking care of this. He says, and any time you and your family comes through here, stop and get you a meal on the house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So that's exactly like what you're talking about, brother. It's the motive behind it all. Then the prevailing of prayer. I'll end it with the most important thing, I believe. The word prevail means to endure, accomplish, triumph, or overcome, and have power or influence. All of those words are synonyms for uh, prevailing. Therefore, prevailing prayer is prayer that has power or influence with God. It is the type of prayer that can produce results. Prayer that accomplishes something. And to prevail in prayer means to endure until you have prayed through to an answer. Praying through is something you don't hear much about no more. You used to hear people talk about praying through all the time when I came in Pentecost. Amen. People don't pray long enough to pray through. Amen. Uh, and personally, I believe praying through means you pray until you start praying in the Spirit. You know, the Holy Ghost takes over. Amen. That's a prevailing prayer. And when your spirit prays, sometimes it prays for things that you didn't even know that you need to pray for. Amen. Prevailing prayer can be born. And here's how prevailing prayer comes. It can be born out of a desperate need or a hunger for things of God. 
Have you ever had that thing just kind of well up way down here within you and just bubble out? I mean, just flow out. That's what I'm talking about. It can be born out of a heavy burden for the condition of our own souls or even the souls of others. Often it involves hours on our knees. Jacob wrestled with God all night. Amen. We're too much in a hurry nowadays. <laughs> We're too much in a hurry. Uh, maybe one of the best things, if we really want to get revival to start around here, maybe the best thing to do is take that time clock off the wall. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's good. That's another good. That's in James 2, the last of James. Let's all stand together. I hope you enjoyed our lesson tonight, and I hope that it pushed you a little bit more to make prayer a little bit more prevalent in our lives. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this service, for your word, being a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Bless each and every one that's here. Keep them safe as they hit on the road home, uh, and uh, let everybody walk in health and happiness, God, the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, let the church say, God bless you.